We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of our podcast. This week's episode is entitled, Stupid Shit People Say. Hey everyone, so this week we put the call out on our social media asking all of you grievers to tell us some of the stupid shit that people have said to you. And John, the response was massive. Between us, we had well over 600 comments. So obviously you've all heard a lot of stupid shit. Yeah, so we posted that on Sunday night and when I took a look two days later, there were over 600 comments. So I sat down this morning and went over every single comment with my coffee. And I know you've read them all too, Carolyn. And even though I'm gonna try to swear less on this podcast moving forward, I am, I'm gonna try to swear less. I gotta say it right here. As you would expect, Carolyn, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, look, there's just honestly no words to describe some of them. There really isn't. So Carolyn and I have discussed this episode in great detail. And here's what, after some back and forth, we've decided to do. We've picked a decent amount of the comments, surely not all 600, because we cannot be here all day. We have lives, believe it or not. And you don't want to listen to us, especially my voice for that long. But we're going to read a good range of comments to you guys. Both Carolyn and I, obviously having seen these comments and knowing what we're about to read to you, know what a shit show this is. We really, really want to comment on every single comment ourselves, but we're not going to set the episode up that way. We're going to read the comments straight to you, one after the other, so you can hear with your own two ears the stupid shit that people say. And then after we're done reading them, We're going to take some time to discuss the comments as a whole and some of the learning lessons that might come from these comments. Now, everyone, I know that most of you listening to this podcast are most likely grieving the death of someone close to you. But our hope is that non-grievers will listen to this podcast as well, especially to episodes like this one. Because we did also get some comments on our posts from non-grievers who said that quite often what they say is not heard in the way they intended it. And that sometimes they just don't say anything because they don't know what to say. And look, we totally get this. So this episode is a really good place to start so that you can educate yourself and understand why the things you normally would say might come across as hurtful. The thing is, Everyone will be affected by grief at some stage in their life. So wouldn't you rather know what to say to support someone you care about or have them there to support you at your time of need? 
100% Carolyn. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of this episode. And we'll also do future episodes devoted to that type of stuff as well. Guys, I'm going to take a quick moment to tell you how you can support this podcast before we get going on the comments. So first of all, if you like this podcast, we're going to ask that you go onto your favorite podcast platform and rate it, review it, subscribe to it and hit the follow button. Also, please let others know that it exists. We want to help more people. And the way we do that is word of mouth. Sharing it on social media is also a big help and we really appreciate it. There's also one other huge way you can support this podcast. I know that it seems like we only come here for 25 or 30 minutes a week and it's quick and easy, but actually podcasts are a ton of hard work. And as much as we love doing it, the truth is it's very time consuming. In order to keep the podcast going now and long term, we're going to ask that you consider supporting the podcast. And you can do that for either $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. And in return, you get amazing perks. You can go to my website or take a look at the show notes to find out more. So we're going to dive right into the comments now. Remember, these are not made up. Every single comment is real. So we want you to really listen to each one and let it sink in. And then remind yourself that these types of comments are being said every day to someone who is going through the worst time of their life, having lost someone that they love. Okay, I'm going to get the ball rolling here. Michelle says, not my late wife, Michelle, one of my followers. Michelle says, in front of my husband's casket, a good friend of his told me, that my husband had good taste in women and said he wanted to go into the closet and fuck. The morning after he died, Jen was asked, was he wearing clothes when he died? My best friend demanded an apology from me for the death of my husband. She said it interfered in her life. I was told I really should start dating again and move on three weeks after my husband died. People die. Get over it, Rachel was told. A grieving mum was told, I would die if anything happened to my kids, which left her feeling like she didn't love her kids enough because she didn't die. You're young and you can have more children, Tia was told at her daughter's funeral. Karen says, less than two months after my husband died, one of his woman friends took me to a play. We had dinner before and she asked me when I was going to start dating and if I had considered women. You can go on Tinder now, two weeks after my husband and love of my life killed himself. Just put on your big girl panties and get over it. When I lost my son, my boss said, find a hobby, snap out of it, rip off the Band-Aid. As a recent pregnant widow and solo mum, Erica was told, stop crying. You don't have to cry all the time. You're so lucky. I'm sure he had insurance, so you can just go travel and do whatever you want now. 
I wish it was me, said one of my best friends as her living husband was in the very next room. A widow was told, you must love having time to yourself. The day after, my sister said to me, he's dead now, time to move on. A psychologist at work asked me if I was still missing my husband when I mentioned to her that I was struggling with his upcoming first anniversary. You are so lucky he's dead. My ex makes my life hell. You haven't cleaned out his stuff yet, but it's been six months. Okay, I know we're not supposed to comment on any of these, but this one is just beyond anything I've heard in my life. Are you sitting down? Listen to this. After our sweet six-year-old was killed in a car wreck, someone told me it's probably for the best. He may have grown up to be a murderer or something. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, sorry, John. I don't want to break the rules either, but really? Yeah, really. He may have grown up to be a murderer or something. I don't even know how you come up with something like that, but whatever. Let's just get back to it because I go on all day about that motherfucker, whoever said that. Wow. Whew. Okay. Less than 24 hours after my mum died, my aunt called and asked, what are you doing with your mum's table? She would want me to have it. You two were only married for less than a year. How can you be dating when your husband isn't even decomposed yet? God must have needed him more. When my mum died, a woman said that Jesus needed my mum more in heaven because she was such a good woman. I was 13. So who is he married to in heaven? You know, since you're his second wife. I can't, I, that, I can't, I can't with that one. These, <laughs> go ahead, Carolyn, go ahead. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, I'm not laughing at the woman's loss. I'm laughing no. at how stupid people are and the things that come out of their mouth, but go ahead. <laughs> Continuing with the heaven theme. He's waiting for you when it's your turn to get the bus to heaven. I was speaking about my late husband on Valentine's Day, and someone said, why are you so obsessed with him? Just think of the happy memories so that you can smile. Two weeks after my husband died, a close family member asked me, why do you look so sad? They wouldn't want you to be sad. Now, look, John, I just got to say, every time I hear this one, I think, well, if no one's sad when I die, I'll be a bit pissed. <laughs> uh, that is accurate. You should be happy. You have money now. It was just their time. Three weeks out. A family member told me, instead of being sad, why don't you just put yourself back out there? A friend told me that I need to schedule my rough days 
and that I should only be allowed two or three rough days a month. My ex told me, look, I know your kid is dead, but it's been six months. Life goes on. Until you get over your grief, you won't find anyone else. When I told a former classmate of my husband's death, she said, well, maybe you'll find someone better. Someone dropping by a card said, well, at least your yard looks nice. Six weeks after my husband of 30 years passed away, my supervisor told me, your husband already has a girlfriend in heaven. He don't miss you. I, I can't. I mean, every time I read that one, I just don't even know. I just, I, I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> I wish my husband would die. He's such a pain to live with at the moment. A widow was told, I don't know why you're grieving so much. You didn't even know Justin as long as his family did. My son was murdered and one of the detectives said, you'll get over it. You look great. I'm so happy for you. I don't, again, I don't even know what that means, but oh, all right. Go ahead, Carolyn, your turn. <laughs> I can't. Some of these, I mean, I can't. He died doing what he loved best. He was riding a Harley when he was mowed down by a drunk driver and left on the side of the road. My mother-in-law said, he's mine to take care of. I own his body and that grave. Well, you don't have to worry about what you look like anymore regarding going to the gym and working out. And you can spend money on whatever you like and not have to hide the bill. After my husband passed, I was told, now you can go and do all the things that you wanted to do. This will change you for the better in some ways. Within weeks of my nine-month-old dying in a freak accident. My mom died when I was 11. Her oldest sister, who was 50 years old at the time, and a teacher, said to me, this is a lot harder on me then it will be for you kids, because I had more years with her than you did. Only the good die young. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Just stay strong. Look at the bright side. At least you'll be cooking for one less person now. Aren't you over it yet? For God's sake, woman, people die. Get over it. Oh, and by the way, that was 17 days out. Just cheer up, will you? You're really milking this widow thing, aren't you? And the good old everything happens for a reason. From my husband's sister. We are so glad this is over, AKA he's dead. So we don't have to deal with you anymore. A disgusting man said, you're still young enough to get another man. I might take you on myself.
you're dating again? You never really did love him, did you? My husband's uncle literally asked for his fishing poles at my husband's funeral. I was told God needed a good woodworking angel above. There was many vulture men, men who I thought were my friends, but immediately tried to date me. The line almost always being, let me take you and your daughter out to dinner. This line was fed to me by at least five guys I had known. At least you don't have children. Mind you, my husband and I were struggling with infertility, followed closely by, you have your whole life ahead of you now. I was 42 when he died. The first time I was actually having a good day and feeling somewhat human again after my husband's sudden death, I got told, you've bounced back nicely. At least your daughter won't grieve, you know, because she's a baby. I returned to work two days after my husband's funeral and a co-worker stopped by my office to offer her condolences and say, I know exactly how you feel. And then followed that with, I had to put my dog down last week. A few months after my brother passed away suddenly, I had someone say to me, can you please stop posting things on Facebook about your grief and your brother, Jim? It's really a downer and it's depressing me. My first husband died of colon cancer in 2008 and my second husband of diabetes in 2018. A medical worker said, what do you do to your husbands? I think she thought she was being funny. Well, at least you weren't married. After my husband's death, a woman at work told me she knew exactly how I felt because her daughter didn't come home from college enough. My husband died on Thursday. My boss said I didn't need the three days off because I had the weekend. So I went into work Monday and cried all day. I have been told over and over, I know he had a good insurance policy and you won't have to worry about anything. I was at a work social event a few months after I returned to work. Somebody came up to me and said, I know how you feel. My wife is on a girl's trip to Florida and I'm a solo parent all week. <sighs> I can't. <laughs> Jesus. You'll do better in love next time. Time heals all wounds. About three months after my husband of 35 years died, a friend, yes, a friend, told me that all I needed was to find a guy who would put my feet over his shoulders and put it to me until I lost my breath. Then I'd be all good. <laughs> I'm sorry, John, but that was so hard to say with a straight face. I mean, what? What the <laughs> shit? I did not see that one. I don't even know where that one came from. Oh, uh, yeah, it was on your post, John. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that one this morning with my coffee, but I totally missed that one. <laughs> don't know how you missed that one. Oh. 
Okay, so John, we've both heard a lot of these comments before, but we're also going to share one of our own personal experiences. So would you like to kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off here. So look, I'm six years out, you know, in addition to, you know, family and friends and different people who say different stuff, a lot of people on social media have said a lot of stupid and mean things to me, right? But I'm going to, so I can go with, with a million examples here. I'm going to go with one. And this person meant well, but it does kind of fall under that stupid shit people say umbrella. So a friend of mine who is happily married, and I hope it stays that way for another 50 years, we were having lunch one day. And I was probably about three years out at this point. And I was telling this person a little bit about my dating experiences since Michelle has passed. And this person said to me, oh, wow, if my spouse passed, I don't think I would ever be able to date again. And here's why that's something you probably don't want to say to a widowed person. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, I mean, I probably would have felt the same way, right, when Michelle was alive and healthy and all those things. But when you say that, what some of us will hear, what I certainly heard in that moment was, I love my spouse way too much to ever consider dating again if they pass, right? That's what that person said, and that's fine. But here's the thing. I was dating again. I was years out, and I was dating again. So what does that mean about my love for Michelle? What I took it as, even though they did not mean it that way, is that I must not have loved Michelle as much as they love their spouse if I was dating again. That's what I heard, even if they didn't mean it that way. Yeah, John, that is a common comment that we hear. And um, it is one of those comments that can leave you feeling a certain way, even though it's not intended like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, you probably have a million examples you can give yourself. Go ahead and give us one today. Okay, yeah, there certainly are heaps and heaps of them. But the one I'm going to share today is, well, I was at my auntie's birthday party and I guess it would have been less than two years after Tony died. So I'm there having a nice time catching up with my cousins and family and friends that I hadn't seen for a while when an old family friend came up for a talk. Now, just for a bit of a background, this lady loves to know all the gossip. So I guess she was on a bit of a mission to find out what was going on with me. So up she marches and she's looking around me and then she suddenly comes out with, so who are you here with today? Where's your man? I said, excuse me? And then she blurts out, oh, that's right, he died. And she turned around and walked off. You know, I'm 37 years old and it still amazes me sometimes that grown adults don't think about the words that are going to come out of their mouth before they speak them. All I will say in this situation is that she was damn lucky that I was in shock. Otherwise, I might have said something that just really wasn't very nice. Can you, I do you have the ability to not be very nice? Is that, is that possible for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, okay. someone, right. if someone rubs me up the wrong way. <laughs> All right. I haven't seen it yet. 
probably because I haven't rubbed you the wrong way yet. All no, right. yeah, yeah, no, you're too nice to me. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen eventually. We're working together now, so I'll yeah. rub you the wrong way. So <laughs> don't worry, you'll get mad at me pretty fair soon enough. Okay. Okay, on that note, we're going to stop reading the comments now. We're going to have a further discussion about the comments shortly. But there are also some other things that we hear over and over again. And we wanted to talk a little bit about those as well. So Carolyn, start us out here. Okay, John. So I feel that this one really does need to be mentioned. And I don't think it's said with any ill intention, but nevertheless, it is hurtful. It's when someone calls your dead partner your ex. They are not our ex. We were still in a relationship with them when they died. An ex is when one or both partners choose to end the relationship. We didn't choose for our person to die. So it feels very disrespectful when our deceased love is called an ex. Absolutely. And most people just don't know better. And if you educate them, they'll correct course, right? But 100%, that is hurtful. So I also want to talk a little bit about competitive grief, right? And there's a piece in my first book I wrote about this. And that's the whole like my loss is worse than your loss type of thing. So some examples of that might be sudden death versus expected death together for a short time versus a long time, younger when they pass versus older when they pass. And John, we have so much more to say about that sort of thing. So we will be talking about that further in a future episode too. Now, another thing that a lot of grievers are told is, I can't imagine what you're going through. And look, once again, I'm really sure this isn't ever meant to offend, but it can leave you feeling othered like someone else's worst nightmare, which is not a nice feeling. So Carolyn, you're going to tell us about the two words that we both really, really do not like when it comes to grief. And those two words are at least. Yes, John. Now we could not do an episode about the stupid shit that people say without including these. These two words should never, ever be said together to someone who's grieving. So, John, why don't we tackle these together like we did with the comments? Okay, I'll kick it off. At least you're young and you have your whole life ahead of you. At least you'll find someone else or can get married again. At least you can have another baby. At least they're not suffering anymore. At least you got one, five, 10, 40, whatever years together. At least you had true love. Some people never experienced that. At least they passed quickly. At least they were happy. At least they had a good innings. By the way, what does that mean, good innings? Oh, <laughs> you don't get that? So it means no. when someone dies old, that they lived a long time. Oh, okay. We don't use that expression here. Yeah, it's a pretty popular one out here. Okay. I never heard it before. At least they died quickly and didn't suffer. At least you got to say goodbye. At least he died doing something he loved. And John, I'm sure we could go on and on with these, but I think this gives you a fair idea of what we're talking about. These ugly little platitudes are really unhelpful in so many ways. But let me tell you why. When you say these, you are dismissing or avoiding the person's grief. 
And this makes them feel like you think that they don't have the right to grieve. And look, seriously, guys, if you cannot grieve when someone you love dies, when can you? I agree. When you say at least to someone, what you are doing is you are invalidating that person's pain. Now, most of the time, that's not the intention, right? That's not the intention. I'm not saying that's the intention. I'm saying that's what happens. You are invalidating that human's pain. And the thing with the at least is there are also silver linings that people are searching for, thinking that if they can find something good that came from the person's death, then the griever will feel so much better. But no, just no, there is nothing, nothing that you can say to make someone's death feel like it's a good thing. Now, listeners, especially those of you that aren't grieving, I know right now you might be racking your brain thinking, shit, have I ever said these things to anyone? Well, the truth is you most likely have. I know I certainly did before I knew better. But here's the thing. Now, I want you to listen to this closely. You ready, John? I'm ready. (laughs) At least. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I had to say it. But at least now that you know this, you won't say it anymore. Can I get a hell yeah, John? Fuck yeah. I made it better than hell yeah. I said fuck yeah. (laughs) Guys, we have all said stupid stuff before. And we will talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes. But first, we want to talk about a couple other quick things. When it comes to a widowed person dating again, be supportive or say nothing at all. The most popular piece I have ever written in my life is entitled Sit Down and Shut Up. It was so popular, I put it in all three of my books. And it says just that. I won't get into the whole thing here because you can read the piece for yourself. But basically, when a widowed person starts dating again, you can support them or you can sit down and shut up. Those are your only two options. And John, I must say, that's my favorite piece that you've written as well, Sit Down and Shut Up. It really resonates with so many of us widowed people. Well, the thing I love about that piece the most is of all the emotional, heartfelt things I have ever put pen to paper, the one time that I'm incredibly angry <laughs> and, and and just am a total asshole to everyone in that piece, and it's my most popular piece, so that always kind of cracks me up. But Carolyn, I want to hand it back over to you for a minute because we also want to talk about the comparisons. Yes, John, we do. There's so many comparisons that come up in grief. And as I mentioned in episode one, part of that is because people are comparing their worst thing to your worst thing. And while it's often said with the most caring of hearts, it can come across as very insensitive. Okay, so the three that we hear the most are between widowed and divorced, solo parenting and single parenting, and human loss and pet loss. So let's start by talking about the widowed and divorced comparison. We both want to say upfront, both are very painful experiences. And we are not questioning that at all. But we want to have a little bit of a discussion about that right now. So John, I've personally experienced both of these. So being divorced from my first husband many years ago, and now widowed from my second husband, Tony. 
Now, my first marriage ended over 25 years ago when my then husband cheated. And I'm not going to lie, it was a truly horrible time in my life. I was deeply depressed and definitely grieved the loss of that relationship. And at the time, I really didn't know if I would ever get through it. But you know what? I did. By about two years later, I would have to say I was completely over it. And look, I'm certainly not trying to minimise the pain associated with any relationship breakup because, as I said, it truly was a horrible experience for me. But the thing is, today we're talking about comparisons. And this, compared to the absolute heartache of watching my beautiful husband, Tony, who I still loved with every fibre of my being, to watch him fight with all that he had left just to try and spend more time with me and our loved ones and then holding his frail body as the life slowly left it and he took his last breath, knowing that I would never see him, touch him or hear his voice ever again. Now that is something that I will never get over, ever And as I said, this is my own personal experience and it may be different for others. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about my experience here for a moment. And before I do, I want to kind of like go off the rail here a little bit. So as you were talking about the end of Tony's life, yesterday was six years since Michelle passed. So we are recording this podcast episode the day after Michelle's six-year anniversary. And as you're talking about, you know, the frail body and all that type of stuff, I'm being triggered. And here's why I'm stopping this episode to say this, because first of all, like, I didn't know that you were going to say that because some of the stuff we run, run by each other and other stuff, we just, right. We just talk. Right. So the reason I'm stopping this episode to say that I was triggered with that is because there are people out there, whether they're six months out, six years out or 25 years out who still get triggered by some things. And I want to take a moment to just validate that that's okay and that's normal. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, John. And I want to also talk about one more thing before we go to kind of like the next little comparison that we're going to talk about. So I lost Michelle two times in my life. We started dating as teenagers and a year into our relationship, she broke my heart. And obviously then eight years later, we got back together two and a half years after we got back together, she got sick, two and a half years after that, she died. So as adults, we were together for five years. Here's why I'm bringing this up in at this moment. I have never been divorced, but I knew from dating Michelle in high school that I wanted to marry her and I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And she shattered my heart in high school. I forgive you, babe, but you did. Into a billion tiny pieces when she broke up with me. I don't like the divorce to death comparison either. But what I will say is as teenagers, Michelle actively made the decision to not be with me anymore. She didn't actively make that decision when she died of cancer. So these things are incredibly complex. Human pain is incredibly complex. But, but, I do know that even though I loved her with all my heart at the age of 18, 
and I would have married her at that age if I could have. If I had a friend who was 26 at the time, who had lost his partner to death, I would not have walked up to them and said, well, I know you lost your partner to death and I can completely relate because Michelle just broke my heart too. I would not have compared those losses because they're just so incredibly different and every human's pain is unique. And that kind of leads us to the next comparison, which is the solo parent and single parent comparison. Now, if you're not sure of the difference, to simplify it, a solo parent is widowed, whereas a single parent is someone who is not in a relationship with the other parent. So my kids were three, five and seven when my first marriage ended. And I was a single parent until they were young adults, which is when I met Tony. And life as a single mum was really, really hard in so many ways. But here's the difference, guys. My kids still had a living father who they could spend time with. And I had a bit of a parenting break while they were with him. My kids were not grieving for a dead dad. Yes, their life had changed and it had changed a lot. But the most important thing was that they had two parents who were physically present in their lives. Again, as we talked about with the, you know, divorce, death, like human pain is so incredibly unique, right? And so incredibly complex. I mean, I have one child and parenting a grieving child is so incredibly hard. And yes, kids grieve from divorce too. What it comes back down to at the end of the day is not to say the words at least. It's not to compare. It's to validate your own pain and to validate the pain of your fellow human. That's right, John. And solo parents carry all of the responsibility for their children by themselves. They don't have that other person who loves their children as much as they do to share the important decisions or tag team when a child is awake all night when they're sick. They often have no break at all. And all this time, they're supporting children who are grieving and might not understand where their other parent is gone. And they're doing that while they're also grieving themselves. Please be considerate of this before making those comparisons. And just touching very quickly on the humans and pets comparison. Look, I know pets are amazing and they are just like a member of your family. They really are. But comparisons just do not make anyone feel better here, especially when you say that the loss is exactly the same. It is very sad to lose a pet. Carolyn and I have both lost pets before, but it's just different than a human loss, right? It's fundamentally different. So I hear from a lot of people, well, they mean well. You know, John, okay, you're going to do this episode called Stupid Shit People Say, but they mean well. And yes, most of the time, in fact, a vast majority of the time, they do mean well. People do mean well. But some of the time, people are just assholes. And even if someone means well, and we have all said something stupid to a griever before, I certainly have. Before I lost my dad and Michelle, even after, 
I'm sure I said something stupid to someone at some point, okay? But as grown adults, some of the stuff we read to you here today, let me be very clear. There is no excuse for some of that stuff. Some of that stuff was well-meaning or not thought out thoroughly enough or perhaps just came out the wrong way. But for some of that shit, there was absolutely no excuse. You are an adult and you need to do better. Yes, 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 John. And another common thing that we hear a lot is when people say nothing. And often it's really obvious that they're avoiding talking about our dead person at all. Yeah, look, I talked about that in a past episode. The whole thing where my dad passed away in 2008 and the HR manager at a previous job when her dad passed away in 2010 and I just froze. And we're going to talk about that a whole lot more in future episodes on things you should say, things you shouldn't say, all of that. But I know you want to talk about it a little bit more, Carolyn. And even though I pride myself on being the king of analogies, you're going to give us an analogy here today. So go ahead. Drum roll, please. (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is my favorite analogy. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Your favorite analogy, meaning that you like it more than my analogies? (laughs) Well... My favorite analogy of mine. I love your analogies. You are still the analogy king. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now you can go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. So here we go. Now, I want you to picture this. So your good friend, and look, John, I'm going to pinch your favorite analogy name, and we're going to call her Susie. Okay. So your good friend Susie's husband died recently, and Susie's been feeling pretty horrible. So you decide to take her out to lunch to see if you can cheer her up a bit. Now, you're sitting there and you both have a lovely chicken parma and a glass of wine. You keep the conversation going and get her laughing a little bit, but you don't mention anything about her late husband because, well, that would only remind her that he's dead and make her feel sadder. You drop Susie off at home and feel pretty happy with yourself for making her feel better. Now, Susie heads off to work each day and she notices that no one at a workplace ever brings up a husband. It feels really strange to her, like it's a real elephant in the room. Then on the weekend, Susie attends a family event. Not one, not even one of her family members mention her late husband's name because they don't want to upset her. So now Susie has gone from being with her husband, who was a man who loved her and she loved him. She's gone from spending every day with him to feeling like now she's not even supposed to mention his name at all to those who are meant to be closest to her. Not only is her husband dead, but now it feels like everyone has already forgotten that he lived. So how do you think Susie feels? Well, as it turns out, I can tell you, it's absolutely heartbreaking. You see, this happened to me, and it happens to pretty much all widowed people. In fact, most grieving people, I'd say, and it happens every day. 
I really want you to hear this message pretty loud and clear. You will not remind someone that their person has died. This is something they remember every second of every day. So say their name. Share your memories. And this will let the person know that you remember that their deceased loved one did live. Absolutely. You know, when I first started this career with my coaching and my books, I talked a lot about say their name because I wanted people to know everything you just said, right? But in talking about it, one of the things I realized early on was that not only do people not talk about our deceased loved ones because, well, for a few different reasons, one being because they think it's going to upset us. But sometimes when we talk about our deceased loved ones, people judge us. Grief shame is a very real thing. Just as we talked about with one of those comments, the woman was talking about her late husband on Valentine's Day, and she was asked by another human, why are you so obsessed with him? Or, you know, people talking about their deceased loved one on social media and being told to stop. These are just a couple examples of grief shame. It's not about being obsessed. It's about loving them, even though they are no longer here in the physical form. When people talk about Michelle, let me be crystal clear. It is a gift to me. They may not realize it, but if they listen to this podcast, they're going to realize it right now. It is a gift to me when they talk about Michelle, when they ask about Michelle, and when they open the space for me to talk about my wife. Oh, yeah, I totally get that, John. Look, there's just no words to explain the joy that I feel inside when someone mentions Tony's name or shares a memory, especially if it's one that I haven't heard before. It feels like I've been given the most valuable treasure that there is. Yeah, and you know what I'm going to say to that, Carolyn? We're going to do a future episode on that, okay? We're going <laughs> to do a future episode on everything. Yeah, because <laughs> everything that we touch base on, I'm like, well, there's an episode, there's an episode, there's an episode, there's an episode. So, well, it's good because we got a lot of episodes to fill. You know, Carolyn, in the intro of this podcast, that little 40-second thing we have every week introducing ourselves, you say... There will be no platitudes on this podcast. But here's the thing. We live in the land of platitudes. When somebody says a platitude to us, they are really trying to help. And sometimes it may help. But more often than not, it really doesn't help. One of the platitudes I just have to mention before we start to wrap up this episode is when people say, God needed them more. Look, y'all, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in a higher power. I do. But you're telling me that God needed her more? Look, I I mean, with all due respect, I think God is okay. He's good. I needed her more. I needed her more. Come on now. First of all, I don't believe that platitude. And second of all, That platitude does not help. You're exactly right, John. It does not help at all. Now, a lot of things that we've discussed in this episode 
things such as platitudes, silver linings, dismissing grief, they're all forms of something that we call toxic positivity. So toxic positivity is when others assume that despite the emotional pain or difficult situation you're experiencing, that you should still only have a positive mindset. But the thing is, in doing this, you're essentially denying, minimising and invalidating their pain. And remember, their pain is a natural response to the loss of someone they love. So you see, when you force a positive outlook on someone's pain, you're encouraging them to keep silent about their struggles and suppress their emotions. And this is not a healthy way to grieve at all because those emotions cannot be pushed down forever. They will surface at some stage. And you know what? When they do, they will likely be even worse. That's absolutely right. Toxic positivity is a problem in our society. If someone is in pain, allow them to be in that pain. See their pain, hear their pain, validate their pain. Look, guys, people say stupid shit. And one of the reasons Carolyn and I started this podcast, as we told you in episode one, is because we have seen with our own two eyes that society as a whole really doesn't understand grief at all. From a widow being hit on in front of her husband's casket, to someone thinking that you should be over the loss of your child in six months, <laughs> you don't ever get over that, let alone within six months. Society just does not get it. But I don't want you guys to think that it's all bad either. Here's the truth. People can be amazing and loving and supportive. And words can be both helpful and beautiful. In fact, in the future, we're going to be doing an episode on the beautiful things someone has said to you. And John, it's not only words that can be beautiful. There's so much beauty in simply sitting with someone in their pain. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowercoaching.com.au and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.